Anuel rolls out his yoga mat and watches the morning fog rolling off the ocean as it's burnt off by the rising sun. Dressed in his favorite black and pink yoga ensemble, the young hero smiles as he begins his morning stretches. I feel connected to the universe just as the universe is connected to me. Working through a variety of yoga stances, Hanuel begins his morning affirmations. My mind is clear and relaxed. Morning, Chewy. Inhale joy. Exhale love. Chewy, you know your mama's working nights, so ixnay the arcing bay. Everything I need is... Chewbarka, you're killing me. How am I supposed to send her my chi if you won't calm down? How's this? We go for a walk, you'll sniff some trees, your mom gets to sleep, and I'll commune with nature. Everybody wins. Mipong? Yeah, the gluten-free keto waffle sticks are ready. Yeah, we're out of monk fruit syrup, however, because your dad used it all, uh, the last of it actually, on maple candy cane he's introducing at the bakery. So, <laughs> you weren't complaining last night as you ate the whole batch while editing your new crime documentary. You could just use... Hanoel, are you stealing Miss Divine's dog? Just taking Chewbacca for a quick walk to align our mutual chakras. Save me a couple of waffle sticks and I'll eat them on the way to school. No study group today? Finally convinced Gwen to give us a day off. You convinced Gwen to relax? Never thought I'd see the day. You doubt my charms? Don't forget to keep Saturday night open for your not-a-surprise-surprise anniversary dinner. You got a table for three, right? Yeah, you do not want the restaurant holding a big table for no reason. Don't be a negative Nancy. This might be the year that he pulls it off. I'm feeling it this year. Hai Su and Min Hee both gave a solid maybe. Ai Ha is still working on that film score, and she never answers her phone when she's communing with her muse. You got a maybe from Hai Su? I thought phones uh, weren't allowed in the commune. It's a sustainable living biogroup. He's not with the Amish. I know my siblings are all about directing, farming, and engineering, but they'll always be the kids I made triple-layer s'mores with. 
No matter how far they travel, they will always be those kids. They just need to be reminded of that sometimes. A holographic image of the vision that endures is projected between Hera, Harbinger, and Erold. The inquisitive scientist is voraciously taking notes on his tablet, while Hera and Harbinger discuss the next course of action for the villainous trio. So, this weapon simply exists in a... How did you put it, brother? A pocket dimension, dear sister. It exists in this pocket dimension and simply waits for you to summon it like a trained Hespero Scion. Yes. And it reacts only to your call. That appears to be the case. This vision that endures is connected to my previous life and struggle against the Guardians. It is the vision that endures, not simply vision that endures. A simple determiner is of that importance, dear brother. Sister of mine, do you not recall the challenges Harbinger had summoning him the first time? I have mapped their exact movements, verbiage, and decibel level. We cannot simply assume that a few magic words will summon it. It is not as simple as the tale of Vilgrol and the Crown of Thorns. Now that we have the instrument of the Guardian's destruction, we must find the opportune time to deploy it. Though I've only spent a few moments in my Titan, I can sense the unlimited potential it has. As much as I would love to take the fight directly to those multicolored miscreants, there is a concern we must address. This Titan has belonged to you in the past, but the Guardians still remain. If it was truly capable of wiping them out single-handedly, why didn't you do it in the past? The sheer amount of variables that could have led Harbinger's past self unable to vanquish the Guardians is astronomical. Regardless, we may only have one shot at defeating the Guardians, and I would hate for hubris to be our downfall. Hera, you make a strong point. As we cannot increase our numbers to match their five mechs, we must drive a wedge in their team. Irold, what fiendish creation of yours will help disrupt the cohesion of these delinquents? I believe I have the exact thing you require. These surface dwellers are so fickle and driven by their face emotions that flipping their personalities will utterly disrupt any synergy they may have. Harold confidently taps his tablet, and the large tube on the far wall begins to fill with tiny metallic-like insects. The insects quickly engulf a synthesoid and alter its appearance. Within moments, the tube raises and reveals a multi-headed bipedal figure. The female monster looks about the room with its three heads. One resembles a lion, settles on Harbinger. Another, a goat, locks eyes with Errol. And the final head is a dragon that stares intently at Hera. The dragon head slowly breathes out small puffs of smoke and fire. 
Each and every head of the Chimera has been designed to wreak havoc on the Guardian's psyche. They will have their repressed emotions not only brought to the forefront, but throttled to unheard of levels. Once the Guardians have been afflicted, we will strike them down and claim the Titans for ourselves. Their combined might will drive back to Rigmir and help us force them from their throne. Hanuel pulls into the Vermilion High School student parking lot and slowly idles into his designated parking spot. Everywhere he looks, he sees signage advertising the upcoming school dance. Finishing off his last waffle stick, he begins the walk into school. Hey, Amir. You still going to the beach cleanup on the 13th? Oh, the 13th? Hmm. I might be able to if... Don't tell me you don't have time. You want to lay on a bunch of empty soda cans when you sunbathe? I know how much you love that tan. Eleanor, you are looking great. I told you that you had the face for bangs. Oh my god, I know, right? I'm thinking of coloring it. Any suggestions? Hmm, let me meditate on it and we'll brainstorm something during student council. Hanuel, I heard you aced Miss Neal's English class last year. Obviously. You still got any of your papers laying around? I'll pay good money for them. Are you asking me to commit academic fraud, Burke? Come on, if I don't pass, I won't be eligible for baseball in the fall. You're facing a crossroads, my desperate friend. Do you want a fish, or do you want a rod? Is this a Shakespeare thing? Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu said, Give a man a fish, and you feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. Do you want to buy papers off people the rest of your life? That could get expensive. Ooh, I just want to play baseball. With an unnatural quickness and ease, Hanuel whips out his PDA and scans his packed calendar. Let's see. Tuesday? No, I'm tutoring. Wednesday I'm studying with Jay. Thursday? I have Pilates at 4, but I can move it to 6. You and I are going to meet after practice on Thursdays, and you're going to learn how to write your own papers. Bring a fresh notebook. Anuel strides away from the bewildered jock and heads towards his best friend. Gwen has her head down and is scribbling notes as she reads from a novel. Business or pleasure? It's the new gaming novel. You'll definitely need to read this. I'll add it to my list. So, another school function is upon us. As I am privy to your social calendar, I'm going to assume our pact is still in effect. Again? Didn't we just have homecoming? That was like a month ago. This time it's the fall ball. And why is it important that we attend? We have more important things to deal with. I'm still working on battle plans to maximize our titans with the least possibility of collateral damage. All work and no play makes Gwen a dull team leader. Listen, I know we have the looming threat of guardians coming from outer space, and Harbinger, and the hulking dinosaur person coming from God knows where, but that doesn't mean we haven't earned the right to relax and have some fun. Why don't I remember any of these dances being fun? Because you were born a curmudgeonly old woman. We'll go shopping, pick out something that accents all your curves, I'll get a new suit, and we... we'll have a great time. 
It'd be great for us to hang out with Benny, Scarlett, and Jay when our lives aren't at risk. You think the three of them are going to go? Benny and Scarlett aren't talking, and dances don't really seem like Jay's thing. Don't they have some sort of online relationship they're cultivating? Jay is a little fixated on that clever boy character, but I think I can convince him to look at the dance as a sociological experiment. I'm already working on Benny and Scarlett. Speaking of which, I'm supposed to meet her before first period. I'll see you in math class. The pink blur of Hanuel dots through the quad. Pausing occasionally for pleasantries with staff and his peers, he finally makes his way to the black-clad Scarlet, who is standing off to the far side of the history building. Well, well, well. If it isn't my dad's favorite property manager. Normally I'd suggest mixing in a pop of color, but who am I to argue against a signature color? <laughs> What's the good word, boss man? The word of the day is reconciliation. I've already told you to stay out of it, Hanuel. Benny is in one of his moods, and talking will only make it worse. Maybe before, but now you have me on your side. Oh, you're not hearing me. The last time I pushed Benny when he was like this is what caused him to fall in with Jason. He almost ended up in juvie. If that happens again, he'll be gone until he's 18. Listen, I know it's scary, but... Do you think he's in the right mindset lately? Our training sessions have been awkward on good days and painful on bad days. We're supposed to be getting ready for the fight of our lives and two of our best fighters refuse to make eye contact. Uh, what can I do? Your mantras and chakras aren't going to get through his thick skull. True friends are never apart. Maybe in distance, but never in their hearts. We just have to close the distance between and fix that damaged bridge. Luckily, I'm an expert relationship carpenter. Relationship carpenter? Don't you mean relationship engineer? Let's not get lost in the semantics. I'm great at fixing broken relationships of all kinds. You've dealt with lifelong best friends with ill-defined and possibly repressed feelings that are hanging on by a thread because of an unexpected but not surprising action by one of them? Personally, Gwen and I did a similar ill-fated dance a couple years ago. We were hanging out at a brunch and we were unbelievably in sync. It felt like our auras and chakras had been perfectly aligned. I decided to make a statement and planned a romantic hot air balloon picnic. A hot air balloon picnic? A private balloon with a charcuterie board and sweet tea. Swanky. I know, right? Anyways, we're up in the balloon, the sun was setting and everything was perfect so I leaned in for a kiss. You kissed Gwen? I tried to kiss her. When I leaned in, she stepped back. Ouch. Ouch was an understatement. I stood there seriously considering jumping out of the balloon before Gwen started talking. She played it all out there. How she felt, how she felt about the idea of us, and how she loved me as a brother. And that made you feel better? Not right away, but... That openness and transparency became the foundation of our friendship moving forward. I think we're better friends now than we ever were before. Scarlet turns away from Hanuel and silently watches the crowd move past them. She begins to speak, but pauses again. An unseen weight pushes down on the young hero as her shoulders slump. What if it doesn't make it better? He's my best friend and my only real family. Then you at least know that you tried and he'll know that you care enough about him to try to fix things. 
I'm not gonna say this is a magical fix, but hoping that this wound heals itself is just a wrong course of action. <sighs> I guess this means I have to go find Benny. I'm glad you feel this way. Scarlet follows the gaze of her pink-clad confidant and finds a familiar crimson letterman's jacket moving towards them trailed by Jay in their green army jacket. Oh, Hanuel, what did you do? Bridges don't fix themselves. Hey, Hanuel, Jay said you need to... Oh, what the hell, man? Just take a breath and listen. I'm not asking you to fix anything at this moment, but a conversation needs to happen. Both of you, and for the sake of our team, you both need to start moving forward. <sighs> Hanuel places a hand on both the shoulders of his two friends and gives them both a squeeze. You have to work at relationships. You can't just quit when it gets tough. All relationships have problems. The strength of your relationship is defined by your ability to overcome them. Your relationship is one of the strongest I've ever seen. Are you done? I'll leave you with this. Apologizing doesn't mean that you were wrong and the other person is right. It means you value your relationship more than your ego. Hanuel leaves Benny and Scarlet to talk as he makes his way to Jay. The eccentric inventor mumbles softly to themselves while flipping through index cards. Everyone chases after happiness, not noticing that happiness is right in front of them. Ugh. No, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> the biggest risk is not taking any risk. That's quite the collection of index cards. Preparing for an oral presentation? So to speak, I've decided to attend the fall ball. I know it's unexpected, but Cleverboy93 keeps implying that I'm afraid to step outside my comfort zone. School functions and dating aren't my norm, but you only live once. Unless reincarnation ends up being true, of course. Dating? Are we finally going to meet that elusive cyber friend of yours? That relationship still only exists on the internet. My potential date is in the physical realm. I'm just waiting for a conversation to end. Hanuel follows Jay's eyes and find that they are locked onto the conversing Benny and Scarlet. His eyes dart back to Jay's face and sees an almost imperceptible smile creep onto their face. Really? Is it that unbelievable? I just haven't seen the two of you hanging out much. I know we're not as tight as you and Gwen, but I really think we made a real connection in the woods. Oh, you mean Scarlet? Of course. Did you think I meant Benny? I mean, of the four of you, I suppose he does come closest to the golden ratio, and though he is rakishly handsome in that Dylan McKay, Jordan Catalano way, he is... Not really my type. Do you need any advice on asking her? I've been known to be quite the silver-tongued devil. I think the strengths of my pro-con lists are enough to procure Scarlet's company to the dance. The duo silently watched the intense conversation between their two friends. The withdrawn Scarlet and the stone-faced Benny awkwardly stare at each other before they both try to speak. Laughter and smiles quickly turn into a tender embrace. 
the reunited friends join their voyeuristic teammates. Would you look at the two of you? Your chakras are aligned and auras are shining bright. I'm proud of you both. You know you sound like Johnny D when you talk like that. Uh, Scarlet, can we talk for a minute? I've got what I think is an interesting proposal for you. Sure thing. Just give me a sec. Hanuel, is there still space in your limo for the dance? Definitely. Are you going stag? I'm sure you'll get asked to the dance. We're, uh, going together. It's a little test drive for us. I'm going to show off my sick moves, and, uh, Scar is just going to make fun of everyone. Classic us in a not-us location. (laughs) So what's the proposal, Jay? Another science project? Yeah, um... Uh... Never mind. Um, now that I think about it, I'm, I'm, I mean, (laughs) uh, it's not ready yet. I, I gotta go. Jay, hold on. Not now, Hanwell. I I need to process things and I process better alone. Jay, come back. What was that about? Later that day, a despondent Jay wanders to an unfamiliar area of Vermilion High School campus in an attempt to avoid their teammates. They obliviously sit down at a table and pull a book from their bag to read. Hopefully, a trip to Isla Nubla will be enough of a distraction. Mr. Crichton, you've never failed me before. Are you seriously talking to a book? Every time I think you've reached the bottom of the nerd barrel, you can break out a shovel. Jay looks up from their paperback to find Desdemona sitting at an adjacent table. The homecoming queen stares back at them over a stack of books in front of her. Oh, I didn't recognize you with all the books. Um, the personification of inanimate objects is an old habit from before I had friends. Speaking of friends, where's your little sociological experiment? Did you all finally realize that you had nothing in common and went your separate ways like I predicted? No. We're still friends. Things have just gotten a little... complicated. Complicated? There's nothing complicated about any of you. Um, thanks. That's a fairly bold proclamation. You don't know any of the details? Listen, you might think you know everything there is to know about chemistry and algebra and all that boring stuff, but I know people. I've been reading people since before I knew how to read. Can I ask why you're taking such an interest in me? I can count the number of times we've spoken directly on one hand, and we've been in school together for five years. Maybe I'm bored. Maybe I'm turning over a new leaf and becoming a better person. Maybe I really just don't want to deal with Miss Coleman's algebra homework and even your inane drama can serve as a distraction. There is something to be said about getting a fresh perspective on something. Hmm. Here goes nothing. I decided I was going to ask Scar You asked the Queen of the Hobos to go to the fall ball with you and she shot you down to go with America's future most wanted? Not in... So many words. 
and now you're afraid that you alienated the only four people on this entire planet who have given you the time of day other than a teacher? Jay sheepishly looks away and slowly nods their head. Look, you really only have two options. One, you never speak to those four again and become a recluse. Stay in the library, avoid them until you graduate high school, and your problem is solved. Or number two, you put on your big girl panties, <sighs> your big person panties, and get over it. Personally, I'm voting for option number one, because hopefully Gwen and Hanuel will come to their senses. Cutting them out of my life does seem like a gross overreaction. How do I put on my big person panties exactly? I can't exactly act like nothing happened. Hanwell knows what I had planned. What if he tried to explain things to Scarlet? Uh, bells can't be unrung. Were you raised by dorky wolves? Look at me. I'm pretty, rich, and popular. I know that's why people hate me, but I don't care. I'm going to be me no matter what. You, on the other hand, are nerdy, gangly, and ill-defined looking. Your whole future is going to be filled with awkward and uncomfortable moments. Best get used to them now. I guess. Thank you. My pleasure. Now that I've helped you with your little problem, I'm hoping you'll help me with a teensy little issue I'm having. I need to get at least a B on Dr. Alistair's Shakespeare assignment or my mom won't let me go to the fall ball. Ah, not a problem. What are friends for? No, do not start that rumor. This is purely a business transaction. We're not going to bond over this and start having sleepovers. I'll pay you what I pay all my tutors. Okay. I... Do need some cash to purchase these transistors for a scanner that Let's I'm... make something clear. I do not care about your nerdy stuff. Oh, shoot. I have to go. I have an experiment. What part of I don't care do you not get? Dragon Cove Public Library tomorrow afternoon. Please don't talk to me until then. A few dozen people are congregated near a raised dais that has been erected in front of the newest addition to the Dragon Cove boardwalk. A brand new youth center. A portly man in a Hawaiian t-shirt steps up to a podium and is met by polite applause. I'm so excited to open up this juice bar and gym for the youth of Dragon Cove. This will make a safe place for the teens to come and... There is no place that is safe in Dragon Cove. As long as Charmiras is around. The crowd quickly scatters as dozens of Googles take the shape of the Chimera's heads. Lion, goat, and dragon-headed minions scurry about, destroying everything in their path. I knew I should have built it at Angel Grove! There's a line between hero and coward. Love and hate from who we are and who we are afraid to be. Let us push across that line. Unbeknownst to the rampaging beasts and the panicked crowd, Gwen, Benny, Scarlet, Hanoel, and Jay exit a portal. Awesome! Three heads? Do you think the dragon one breathes fire? Actually... 
If the creator of this monster follows Greek mythology, all of the heads should breathe fire. You're an expert in Greek mythology, too? At this point, I think it's going to be more surprising if we come across a monster that Jay doesn't know the origin of. Usually, I'm not the biggest fan of Greek myths, but Clapperboy was looking for inspiration for that video game. As much as I love a good history lesson, I think it's time we get to work. Guardians in! My bad. I thought I was the one who did the call. No, it's fine. Go ahead. No, no, no. Seriously, if you want to, I'll make a wheel for next time. Guardians engage! Storm Sentinel! Nova Knight! Druidic Defender! Fire Paladin! Hydro Hoplite! The armored teens sprint out to confront the monstrosity and its minions. The black, red, and blue guardians directly engage Chimera, while the pink and green guardians go to assist the frightened citizens. Divide and conquer time. Knight and Paladin, eliminate gobbles. I'll hold off the monster until you're done. Save some PVG for me, Flame Hammer! Lightning Lance! Wanna make things interesting? I'm listening! If I take out more Googles than you, I get final say on our clothes for the fall ball. I knew you hated my suit! Don't you wear lapels that big? When I win, I pick out your dress. I hope you have heels. You wouldn't. <laughs> A full length evening gown is in your future. The red and black guardians vigorously attack the swarm of minions destroying the boardwalk. With each powerful strike, the teens yell out their head count. Three. Lightning is a beautiful thing. It is on! The Hydro Hoplite cautiously approaches the menacing Chimera. The monster dwarfs her in size, and each of its three heads inspect the approaching blue guardian. Look at you, so arrogant, so foolish, so confident. Do you think you can defeat the three of us? What is your end game here? There's nothing to steal, nothing to value. Why are you? You know what? I don't care. You're going down. Aquasaur! Scared citizens pile into a car and try to speed away from the hordes of Googles. Bobbing and weaving, the driver loses control, slamming on the brakes. The momentum of the car slams through the guardrail of the building, where it teeters over the edge. The druidic defender summons their shield and immediately slams it down as they get into position behind the teetering vehicle. The shield bonds with the ground forming a defensive wall. As the wall finishes forming, the car begins to slide over the edge. Ripping their shield, the green guardian grabs the bumper of the car and strains to keep the vehicle and its passengers from plummeting into the bay below. Ah! You could have picked a compact model! 
Ouch! Ow! Uh, by chance, would um, any of you want in the car the hand-to-hand combat experts? No? Trust me, and I'm sorry. The young hero pushes down with all their strength on the back of the vehicle, leveling it out for just a moment. The second they release the vehicle, they launch into a spinning kick that sends back the attacking minions. Landing, they quickly grab the car again before it tips over the edge. <sighs> oh, I can't believe that worked. And no one on my team saw it. Of course. Classic. Nice. Right. Great. The Pink Guardian is a blur of motion as he whips his wind chakrams at every minion in his path all the while barking orders to onlookers and panic civilians. Alright people, if you see something that's out of your nightmares or Tim Burton's dreams, I would advise moving the opposite direction. Let the trained professionals handle the monsters. Sir, curling into the field position is not going to make the monsters go away. The Pink Guardian deftly throws his wind chakrams and destroys two goobles as they're about to pounce on the man in the Hawaiian shirt. Quickly running to his side, the Storm Sentinel helps him to his feet. Far be it for me to tell someone when and how to feel their feelings, but the middle of a battle is not the optimal place. Why don't you head over about 200 yards that direction and find a nice tree to process all your emotions? I... I just wanted to open a juice bar! Really? I love a good juice bar. One of those juice bars that's actually healthy, or one that puts tons of sugar in everything so people can pretend they're being healthy? Uh, what? Never mind. You run and we'll discuss your juice bar morality later. Turning from the fleeing entrepreneur, the Blue Guardian sees his green counterpart swarmed by waves of goobles. Defender! Karmic Tornado! Hanuel launches into a corkscrew flip, passing directly over the wave of Goobles. As the pink hero rotates, he flings his elemental projectiles and recalls them at blinding speed. He lands gracefully while the decimated minions fall at his feet. Let me give you a hand. Whoa, the assist is truly appreciated. A few more seconds and I think my shoulder would have just popped right out of its socket. Not too shabby for the B-team. Let's go help the team finish off the monster. Gwen, Benny and Scarlet square off against Chimera. The young heroes approach from three separate angles, each with one of the monster's heads watching them intently. Alright Tripod, it's time to put you down. Tripod refers to... Never mind. You three should be proud of how you have fought. But for all your bravado, you have failed. By the end of this fight, your brains will rot. <laughs> the three-headed monstrosity grabs a partially destroyed kiosk and flings it at the guardians. Benny and Gwen catch the large chunk of debris with ease while Scarlet steps forward in a defensive posture. Did you really think a sunglass kiosk was going to do us in? You insolent whelps of impotent courage! The Chimera's flame destroy your strength and incinerate your soul! 
bright orange flames erupt from each mouth of the chimera. As the flames engulf the guardians, they crawl up their bodies before turning a sickly yellow and encasing their heads. Say goodbye to who you were. <laughs> Anuel and Jay arrive as the yellow flames extinguish and their friends collapse. The victorious creature turns and approaches the remaining guardians. No! Defender! Seismic storm! But what about... I know! Monster first! You think you two heroes can do that? Your weak friends could not. Seismic! Jay flings their earth shield towards the ground in front of the monster. Grinding stone shield ricochets and shatters into a cluster of organic debris. Storm! Hanuel does a full rotation and steps forward and slams his chakrams together, projecting a high-velocity blast of concentrated air towards the chimera. The stone fragments embed into the monster and quickly form the earthen vine cocoon. Cyclone kick! Projecting himself upwards with the cyclonic force of the wind chakrams, Hanuel becomes a corkscrewing pink blur that descends directly into the cocooned monster. <sighs> Sentinel! I know we discussed the probability of our combo working, but... Oh, I'd appreciate some more field testing next time. Desperate times call for desperate measures. How are Hoplite, Knight, and Paladin? They seem to be shaking off whatever Charmera did to them. Hoplite, are you okay? Ew! Get your hands off me, nerd! We would have finished that thing off way sooner if you and the pretty boy actually participated in a fight. Whoa, that is way out of line. We literally just saved you guys. Whatever. You made us fight the scary monster all by ourselves, and that was super duper not cool. I thought we were friends. My heart doesn't have the language to describe the emotions I'm feeling. You, you two are just... I'm saving my feelings for my poetry. That's, uh... Great, but we need to vacate the premises because it is only a matter of time before Desdemona is here for another one of her Guardian exposés. Desi is coming here? She can't see me like this! What just happened? I don't get to say this often, but I have no idea what's going on. It has to be post-monster stress. And maybe concussions. We'll have Gaia do a full scan on them. I'm sure they'll be better by the training session in the morning. The following morning, Hanuel and Jay stand on the field where the Guardians conduct their training exercises. The Green Guardian slowly stretches while their pink counterpart paces and stares towards a grove of trees. Honestly surprised I'm not the last one here for a change. Though, it 
might threaten the absent-minded genius persona I've carefully cultivated over the last decade. Gwen hasn't been late to a practice as long as I've known her. I knew I should have checked on her after the fight with the Charmera. Gaia did a full scan and she said everyone was okay after the fight. Maybe they all got busy? And what are the odds of that? Well, we would have to calculate the average attendance of each member of the team and then ooh, factor in outside variables such as traffic and family responsibility and... Mm, ballpark it for me. Yeah, it's highly improbable. We need to find them. I'll go look for Gwen. Can you try to locate Benny? I have a thing, but I'll look for him after. You have a thing? A thing with who? Nope. No, no, no. No time for gossip. We'll pin it for now, but I want all the deets later. Johnny D parks his food truck in his usual spot and joyfully bounds out the back door. Dressed in a two-button suit, cashmere scarf, woolen overcoat, and a deerstalker, he bears an uncanny resemblance to Sherlock Holmes. Unfurling a new banner, the entrepreneur smiles broadly as Gwen approaches. Whoa, is that my favorite captain? I haven't stirred the grill yet, but if you can give a brother just a couple of minutes, I would be honored if you were the first customer of Dogs of Basker Grill. Oh, for sure. I'd love to eat one of your grade D meat tubes. Having all those empty calories ruin my figure and kill my times in the pool is exactly what I need to stay captain. What's with the harsh vibes? You must have moved your bed or changed your sleep style or something because your chakras are all totally misaligned. A visually frustrated Hanuel jumps out of his car and marches towards Gwen. I've been to your gym, your backup gym, the pool, and the track. I thought I knew my best friend. The only reason I could imagine that you would flake on me is that you lost track of time in one of your insane marathon training sessions. To find you here at Dogs of Baskerville? Gourmet grilled hot dogs designed around British food staples. Oh, nice. Got it in one. Thanks. Gwen, you don't even like processed meats. I'm going to need you to bring it down a few notches. You're on a nine, and you really need to be at a three if you want to keep talking to me. Excuse me? Why do you sound like Desi? If we're asking questions, who told you that color shirt was a good choice? Who t- You gave me this shirt on our last friend's anniversary. Gwen, I think it would benefit both you and the cosmos if you take a deep breath and let me lead you through some cleansing rituals. Your aura is super cloudy right now. That's going to be a no for me. I'm moving away from whatever all this is. Hot dog boy, you're all sorts of crazy, and Hanuel, I don't have the energy for your drama today. Drama? What is wrong with you, Gwen? Pretty boys are always nothing but drama. You need to remember that there's only one star of the show, and it's me. You don't want to fall in line? There's a line of kids hoping to drift off my coattails like you have been for years. Gwen abruptly turns away from Johnny D and Hanoel and confidently strides down the boardwalk. 
in the world is going on? It's like I stepped into Bizarro Universe or something. The only consistent thing in life is change, mi amigo. Perchance Gwen has decided on a new persona for herself. I would hope it would not be something so dark in the aura field, but far be it from me to tell someone to walk a different path. A different path is one thing, but this is like she's a whole nother person. Hanji, I need your help like right now, Hanuel. It's a matter of life and death. <sighs> what is this, Scarlet? Something happened to Benny? It's even worse than that. Is there another monster attack? It's even worse than that. Scarlet breaks from her sprint and quickly drops to her knees. In front of her is a small playpen filled with dozens of kittens. The black-clad teen kneels down and starts pulling up the kittens one by one. Um, Scarlet? What is the emergency with the kittens? Are they sick or something? Sick? I just can't decide which one to take home with me. What? Your life or death situation is picking out a cat? Well, you see, this one, I call him Mr. Sassy Pants because he's so sassy, seems like a lot of fun because he's all squirrely squirrely, but I don't know if I have time to play with a kitten every day with our uh, extracurricular activities. And I'd feel bad if he feels neglected. And this one, I call her Duchess Wildmore because she's not a fan of being touched, so that means she probably likes being alone. That also means she's not a snuggler, and I want a snuggler. Don't I deserve to be snuggled, Hanuel? I, I guess. Scarlet, what is going on with you? Gwen was acting weird, and now you're not yourself. Oh, you silly little Mr. Fancy Pants. I'm always this happy. Don't try to rain on my parade, or I'll start calling you Mr. Gloomy Pants. Now this one, oh, I absolutely love her. Her name is Captain Zazzles. The only problem with her is that her white fur really shows on my black clothes. Should I change my entire wardrobe to match my cat? I don't think that's a good idea, but far be it for me to stand in the way of pet ownership. I really need to find Jay. Hopefully they found Benny and we can figure this all out. Jay walks into the Dragon Cove Public Library, stops, and takes a deep breath. A smile creeps across their face as they look at the rows and rows and stacks and stacks of books. Oh, I love the smell of knowledge in the morning. Well... Technically, this is the early afternoon, but still, knowledge abounds. Let's see, right. If I was Desdemona, where would I be? Well, the library doesn't have a VIP section, so... I'm not paying you to stand around and look confused. Come on, let's go. Jay whips their head around to see Desdemona walking away from them towards the rear of the library. They follow behind until she opens a door labeled Staff Office. I really don't think we're supposed to be back here. Uh, this is usually where the librarians go to weed out the old books. Did you actually think I was going to study out here with all of these plebs? I rented out this office so I wouldn't have to smell any of the people out here. I didn't even know people could rent this room. People can't. I can. The unlikely duo set up their study area. Desdemona pulls out her textbook and a single notepad, while Jay pulls out half a dozen notebooks from their duffel bag. 
One falls open, and Desdemona stares at the indecipherable writing on the pages. What is all this? I thought you said you were smart. This isn't even English. Oh, yeah. I taught myself shorthand because I was going through so many composition books that my parents were getting slightly concerned my room was becoming a fire hazard. Don't worry, though. I, I will translate it all for you. The key thing you need to learn is know your audience. My audience? Dr. Alistair is the only one going to read this. There isn't an audience. The size of your audience doesn't matter. What's important is that your audience is listening. Dr. Alistair loves when you use four words instead of one. For example, use along the lines of instead of just saying like. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's higher education. The hour-long tutoring session concludes in normalcy, and the pair begin collecting their belongings. You've got a really strong paper there, Desdemona. You should be really proud. Whatever. As long as I get to go to the fall ball, I'll be happy. Here's your cash. I'm heading to the mall to get a nerd detox. The mall? Oh, I, I actually could use a ride. Let me stop you right there. We are not friends. We're not even acquaintances. I can't nerd detox if I'm still with the nerd. Miss George, um, I'm sorry. I, I know you asked not to be interrupted, but there's a, a young man asking for you. If he's shifty looking and wearing a red letterman's jacket, send him away. Are you talking about Benny? That creepy criminal friend of yours has been stalking me all morning. That's pretty atypical behavior for him. What does he want? Excuse me, young man. You cannot bring a boombox into the library. This will only take a minute. My beautiful Desdemona! You won't talk to me, but hear my song! You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you You'll be like heaven in touch I wanna hold you so much Jay slowly opens the door and finds Benny sprinting in between the stacks, evading the library. He carries a boombox in his arms and is singing at the top of his lungs. I am not going to ask you again. Stop this right now. And I thank God I'm alive. And I got you by my side. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. Security! Somebody call security! I love you, Desi, and if it's quite alright, I need you, Desi, to warm the lonely night. I love you, Desi. Get off of that table. Trust in me when I say, oh, pretty Desi, don't bring me down, I pray, oh, pretty Desi. That I found you stay Oh pretty Desi Trust in me when I say Get off me! Get off me! Leave me alone! You can't stop love! 
Do you have any idea what you're standing in the way of? That's it. You are banned from the library. Jesse, just let me love you! <laughs> that is definitely not typical Benny behavior. If I had a nickel for every time I was serenaded by a loser, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Hanuel sits on a couch in his family's living room. The fashionable teen strokes his temples with one hand while speaking on the phone. His dads are preparing lunch behind him. Let me, let me get this straight, Jay. He was dragged out of the library after he performed a song for Desdemona. This is definitely something we need to deal with. Ugh. I'll head over right now. Uh, you're not going anywhere until you eat lunch. We didn't make these vegan gyros for them not to be eaten. Appa, this is important. My friends are all acting weird and Jay and I need to get to the bottom of it. Mipang, are you going to be any help to your friends if you're running around in an empty stomach? The more cheerful you are, the more cheerful you are. Fine. Jay, I'll meet you at your place after lunch. Apioji, you know I did key centering this morning. Can you seriously look at your energy and say that you're at an optimal place? I guess you're right. It's been a weird day. All my friends seem to be going crazy and my siblings are trying to flake on the anniversary dinner. I told you not to get your hopes up. <laughs> Is that really constructive? I really thought my brothers and sisters had changed. We've had such good conversations lately, but they still are so internally focused. Maybe sometimes people do not actually change. Maybe you just never knew who they really were. Your dad is right. For many people, change is uncomfortable. Maybe they want to go through it and they can see the benefit of it, but at a gut level, change is its just uncomfortable. I'm not asking for a radical change. Just for them to look outside themselves for once. It's the exact opposite with my friends. They're acting the exact opposite of how they usually act. So what is it that you want? Do you want people to change? Or for people to stay the same. You know I hate when you do the sentence finishing thing. Yeah, this is, this is the ballet situation all over again. This is not that. You were seven years old. They gave you the solo and the ballet recital, but what did you do? Come on, I was seven. You told Kimmy Wasterman to take the solo, even though her mom and your dance teacher said she wasn't ready. She really, really wanted it, but she was too afraid to try out. And what happened to Kimmy? She went on stage and froze in front of everybody. She didn't dance for a whole year after that. But she's going to be applying for Juilliard next year. So, maybe I helped? You see, you, you can't force people to be what you think they can be. You have to love them for who they are in that moment, not the idealized version of it that you have in your head. I know it's a hard thing to learn, Mipan, but it's the truth. You can't simply will your friends to be the version you think is best for them. If they've decided to make changes, you've got to decide to either continue to be their friend or to step away and let them walk their path. You cannot force someone's chakras to align, and you cannot simply will their chi to be centered. So what do I do? You respect them, and you support them. Uh, if there's truly something wrong, you're a smart boy. He'll see that, and I know you'll be able to fix it. People are allowed to get lost sometimes. You never know. Your friends may come back to you. 
remind them who they are, and if they come back, you've done the right thing. If they stay the way they are, then you have a decision to make. The dinosaur siblings stand near the subterranean craft as they watch Harbinger attempt to call forth his titan, the vision that endures. The metallic warrior thrusts their right fist into the air. I summon the vision that endures. It doesn't appear that you did it correctly. Did you follow my dear brother's notes exactly? Are you implying that I cannot follow simple instructions? Sister, this is their third attempt. My notes are impeccable and Harbinger's cybernetic form means he's performing the action perfectly. I think it's safe to assume there are some variables we did not account for. Harbinger... We know that externally you are performing the task without flaw. But is there some internal component that perhaps you're overlooking? Intent and clarity are often the difference between victory and defeat in battle. My focus was on crushing these guardians and making them pay for what they did to me and... C.L. Janine. I thought of how the Guardians took her from me. This C.L. Janine might be the key to your connection to the Titan. This magic that the Titan taps into might be tied to your emotional state. Feelings? Is my brilliant sibling truly suggesting happy thoughts are the secret? We are dealing with technology generations ahead of my wildest dreams. I will rule nothing out. My memories are nothing but pain and anger. These guardians have stripped me of any happy thoughts. Rage and hatred is the fuel that keeps a warrior going, but there has to be a spark to ignite the flame. That spark should be a pure idea. If not, you'll be consumed by your rage and be a less effective warrior. This C.L. Janine meant a great deal to you. Focus on her and that attachment. Your rage will burn even brighter in combat. The servos and internal machinations of Harbinger slow slightly as the metallic warrior searches their fractured memories for a pure memory of Seal Jani. In a flash, they find themselves in the midst of a battle, in a desolate and war-torn cityscape. They are back to back with the Seal Jani as an encroaching battalion nears. thought you said you charged that ring before you left homework. I said I was going to if I had time. Clearly something preoccupied me. Are you saying this is somehow my fault? Well, I wasn't asleep on my own arm. Could have moved me. I tried. Twice. You bit me each time. Looking pretty bleak out there. 
reminds me of the siege on Corsac 9. Remember how Glorfax gave everyone the same hollow message to take home to his mother, just in case? Pan, I need you to focus. This is important. You're the greatest warrior I've ever fought beside, and one of the greatest beings I've ever encountered. Stop. We're not going to die on this backwater planet. I I expected more from you. You've always said... You shut up and listen. I'm not saying goodbye. I'm asking you to bond with me, you stupid nerve herder. The duo stares at each other wordlessly for a few moments as the wall continues around them. A smile creeps across both of their faces. Here? Now? Well, we met in battle, and we fell in love in battle. Why wouldn't we bond in battle? Plus, if I waited for you to ask, I'd most likely die of old age first. The pair of warriors strike out in perfect unison. They slide around the battlefield like dance partners, moving to an unheard symphony. With unparalleled grace and ferocity, they begin to strike down their foes. You are blood of my blood and bone of my bone. I give you my spirit that we too might be one. I am yours, you are mine, from this day until the end of our time. The last enemy falls lifeless to the floor, and the pair are given a brief respite from the battle that rages around them. Nothing will ever break our bond. Snapping back to reality, Harbinger reaches out their metallic right hand and watches the sunlight gleam off of it. Nothing will ever break our bond. Clenching their hand into a fist, they thrust it towards the sky. The red glow of Harbinger's internal systems once again changes hue to silver. I summon the vision that endures. Anuel leans back on Jay's bed, as the young scientist idly fidgets with a disassembled computer. I honestly don't know what's more odd. Gwen being... so awful to you and Johnny. Scarlet being... bubbly. And cat-obsessed. Or... or Benny breaking into song. Hands down, Benny singing. What happened to them? It's got to be something that Charmira did. They were laid out when we got back to the fight. Oh, thanks again for saving me. <laughs> I really need to improve my hand-to-hand skills. Hey, the B-Squad's got to stick together. I've been meaning to ask, are we the B-Squad because we're the secondary unit? Or because we're the brains? Can it be both? Fair enough. Right, so the Charmera must have had a brain or personality-altering ability. Sort of like the the Minor Terror and its fear gas. We beat that by facing our fears. So how do we fix this? 
It's a little difficult to attempt to find a solution when we barely know the variables. It's like trying to use Eula's identity, but excluding Pi. But if we look at what our friends are going through as a form of of neurolinguistic programming, then all we need is something to to break them from their altered states. Right? Something. Are we talking about a blow to the head or are we talking about a personal epiphany? I think personal epiphany is what we should aim for. We'll call blow to the head plan B. Go ahead, Gaia. A giant energy spike was detected outside of Dragon Cove. That's never a good thing. Uh, what type of energy? That's the most troubling part. It's the same energy pattern for when you summon the Titans. Do you think the others summoned theirs without telling us? Why would they need their Titans? Gwen, Benny, Scarlet, come in. Where are all of you? Did you call your Titans? Seriously? You're not my mom. Take your drama to someone who cares. Captain Zazzles! Come off the top of the food truck! Oh, my silly little pack of cats are just being a bunch of silly gooses and won't stay on their leashes! Technically, a, a pack of cats is a, is a clouder. Thanks, Jaybird. Oh, you're a peach. Focus, people. Has anyone seen Benny? The sad sack is trying to write a little poem and is actually asking Reginald for advice. I can't wait to tell Reginald that Benny is trying to steal Desdemona from him. They're going to pummel each other. Grab him and find a spot to teleport. There's a rogue titan that Guy has detected. That's a hard no for me. I'm about to get a front row seat of Reginald pummeling Benny. Oh, I'm super duper sorry, but I think it's important for my clouder, thanks again, Jaybird, that we have some family bonding time right now. Does anyone know what rhymes with Desdemona? I keep going back to, you make me want a Mona. Okay, Gaia, can you just teleport them, please? Theoretically, I could open a portal directly below their locations, but that could also teleport anyone standing next to them. Plus, the three of them falling through the ground would definitely get noticed. The rogue titan is beginning to move and is headed towards downtown Dragon Cove. The energy signature is... It can't be. It appears to be the vision that endures. Oh, no. Okay. Two questions immediately jump to mind. A. Kudos to whoever came up with the titans' names. They're sick as hell. Two. That ended on a downward note. How bad is it? On a scale of minor inconvenience to... Game over. The vision that endures was Pan Vahan's Titan. It was designed to be practically unstoppable. This should be impossible. His ring and bracelet are still secure on the ship. Wait, why didn't his tech seek out a new host like the others? Hate to break up the lore dive, but we've got a situation that needs our attention. We can't let that thing destroy downtown. But we can't stop it without the rest of our team. 
We divide and conquer. My titan is the more formidable of the two of us. Hey, my alicorn can hold its own in a fight. That may be true, but out of the two of us, who has the better chance of breaking Charmera's spell? Fine. I'll go get them, and you slow that titan down. Play defense. Don't engage unless you absolutely have to. They don't call me the druidic defender for nothing. Jellybean, I know you don't like to be bothered when you're tinkering, but I am making brownies, and I was wondering if Hunwell had any allergies I should be worried about. The matriarch of the Terror household stands befuddled in the doorway of her child's empty room. A look of concern and befuddlement spreads across her usually jovial face. Jay steps out of their portal and they find themselves a football field's length away from the massive cycloptic titan, known as the Vision That Endures. The giant metallic entity is taking slow strides towards the more populated city center. Gaia, are we sure this is a titan and not just some sort of enlarged harbinger? The designs seem uncanny. Aesthetically, there are similarities, but it seems highly unlikely that it's Harbinger. The Magma Squid grew in proportion, but stayed visually the same. Valid point. This does look like the, the final boss version of Harbinger. Time to live up to that immovable monolith, Monica. Guardians engage. Fluidic Defender. Glowing green energy leaves Jay's bracelet after being unlocked with the turn of her ring. The black and green armor has barely settled on them before they call out once again. It's Titan time! I summon the rock that supports. Rushing out of a mammoth cave opening, the rock that supports moves to intercept the humanoid mech. Seismic waves emit with each powerful step of the quadrupedal mechanized Turtle Titan. Sprinting out of his portal, Hanoel quickly emerges from behind a set of dumpsters and begins looking for his three missing teammates. The boardwalk is abuzz with activity as the report of the Titan has yet to reach the masses. Okay. Normally, I would know where they would all hang out. But, since I'm in Bizarro World, I gotta think the opposite. Where would opposite Gwen hang out? Sweaty and panicked is not a good look for you! Turning around, Hanoel sees Gwen, Scarlet, and Benny sitting near each other by the row of food trucks. Scarlet is attached via a dozen leashes to a small clouder of cats. Benny sits forlorn, scribbling in a notebook, and Gwen watches the crowd go by with an arrogant and pompous smirk on her face. Or, I guess they could all be sitting together. That's super convenient. Maybe deep down they know they're still friends? No. No. No time for crazy theories because Jay needs our help with that titan. We need to go now. Jay needs us. I can't go until I finish my ballad. 
And my kitties don't like being away from their mommy. Now don't you, my little fur angels! Are you, are you kidding me right now? Our friend is gonna die and our city's gonna be destroyed! That really sounds like a you problem. I don't know what the Charmera did to all of you, but I know the real yous are still in there. There, there are things which most people are afraid to tell even themselves. And every decent person has a number of things just stored away in their mind. And you three are far more than just decent. That monster somehow tapped into something closed off a part of your mind, but I really need you guys to come back to me. If we just agree to go with you, will you stop talking? Yeah, you're really depressing my cats. It's not just about you coming with me. So, it's okay if I stay. I'm really trying to tap into my love language. I don't have a fight in me. Listen, life is painful and messed up sometimes. It gets complicated at the most inopportune times, and sometimes you get so lost that you have no idea where to go or what to do. Lots of times people just let themselves get lost, dropping into a wide-open, huge abyss. But that's when we have to keep trying. We have to push through all that confusion and work past all of our insecurities that are haunting us. Sometimes the things that scare us are the things that make us strongest. I need more bother. But your presence is really needed. I'm running out of options with the Cyclops Titan and it's getting angry. Oh, that's not good. Small fire in my control panel. Gotta take care of it. Please hurry. Gwen, I know you want to shut off your emotions sometimes because you think they make you weaker as a leader. Scarlet? You think that if you show a softer side, then people will never respect you, but being tough all the time has to be tiring. Benny, you're afraid to love someone because it makes you vulnerable. All of those feelings are valid. I would never tell you not to have them, but we have to find a balance. A balance between who you wish to be and who you need to be. But for now, at this moment, you have to simply be satisfied with who you are. Benny, Scarlet, and Gwen stare at Hanuel with doubting looks on their faces. One by one, the expressions slowly begin to change and the trio shake their heads before staring at their friend with new eyes. Hanuel! What the heck happened? (sighs) The last thing I remember, we were fighting the Charmira and now I'm sitting here covered with cats. Why do I have so many cats? Can someone explain to me why I have a notebook that has Mr. Benny George written on the cover? There's no time to explain. Jane needs our help and they need it now. The giant turtle titan known as the rock that supports is rocked by another blow from the Harbinger's powerful titan. The green titan shows damage across most of its shell, with smoke and sparks emanating from some severely damaged areas. The humanoid titan swings its bladed flail weapon down on the quadrupedal titan. Jay is rocked in their cockpit as sparks fly all about them. Oh, it really isn't fair that this thing is quicker and stronger than me. It should really only get to be one. Oh, okay. Let's try a seismic shake. The rock that supports four powerful legs begin to piston into the ground. 
each weighty stump sending a seismic wave towards the vision that endures. In mere moments, the Cyclops is wobbling as if it were on a ship in a torrential storm. Oh, I bet you wish you had four points of stability, don't you? I am almost impressed. Hey, Gaia. Just checking in. How are they talking over our comms? They have hacked into our channel. The similarity in the Titan's internal machinations must be making it possible. Hey, hey, Gaia. Um, can we make this not be a thing? I'm not like a military strategist, but having the enemies listening in to our plans doesn't sound like a good thing. Where are the rest of the Guardians? Do they not deem me enough of a threat that they only send one Titan to stop me? Perhaps if I burn this city to the ground, then they will come out and challenge me. The legs of Jay's Titan retract, and now a hemispherical mecha quickly rolls to impede the Harbinger's path. The elephantine legs extract aggressively as rocky debris is scattered. You shall not pass. Gaia, prepare to launch everything that I have left. That will leave you defenseless and on emergency reserves. Unwell, Benny, Gwen, and Scarlet exit their portal to witness the damage and smoking shell of the rock that supports begin to glow. The vision that endures slowly and menacingly approaches as it spins its lion's flail. Defender, the cavalry has arrived. Guardians engage. Storm Sentinel. Fire Paladin. Nova Knight. Hydro Hoplite. The liquid metal armor has barely formed on the Guardians before they each call for their Titans. I summon the wings of creation. I summon the cry that ignites justice. I summon the light of the darkness. I summon the claws that win life. The pink, black, red, and blue elemental Titans emerge from their respective fortresses and move to join the fight. Their pilots quickly teleport into their mechs and prepare for battle. Mind if we cut in? We need... Defender, stay back and let us take the Tin Man down. Guys, we... Give us a sit rip. What are we dealing with? Everybody shut up for a second. Defender's trying to say something. Is that who I think it is? Yeah, they hacked into our communication channel. Gaia is trying to block them. You think you could take us all on? Now would be the time to walk away. I truly do not know what is more impressive, your arrogance or your ignorance. Hey, how about we don't taunt the supervillain? Nova's right. Let's just finish this before they get to the city. The Red Phoenix Titan dives towards the vision that endures, and its metallic beak opening to unleash a powerful flame attack. Harbinger commands his Titan to whirl its flail. 
the giant spinning weapon acts as a turbine and dissipates the fireball. Just as quickly, the bladed flail extends and strikes the cry that ignites justice from the sky. Alan, are you okay? I'm fine. My Titan is damaged, but still able to fly. That Titan hits like a freight train. Ready for attack team? Let's do it! Tsunami wave! Lightning storm! The torrent of water erupts from the blue dragon's mouth and slams into the metallic humanoid Titan. The large bipedal machine struggles to maintain its balance against the seemingly unending deluge. Clouds quickly gathering above the onyx beetle titan, lightning can be seen flickering in the clouds, and the multiple strikes make contact with the oversized horn of the rhino beetle. With a simple quick motion, it flings the electrical energy towards the vision that endures. Flinging the Beetle Titan to the ground, the vision that endures imposingly stands in front of the five damaged mythological mechs. That did not go as planned. We can't quit. We just have to hit him harder. Uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We just need a new plan. Paladin's right. That thing is stronger and faster than any of our Titans. But that doesn't mean it's gonna win today. I know you all don't believe like I do, but I really do believe that the universe, fate, or the source, or whatever you want to call it, brought us together for a reason. Individually, we are strong. But together, we are unstoppable. We just have to find our center and align ourselves. Sentinel, dude, we don't have the time to meditate. This thing is kicking your asses. I've never been more serious. I can hear the source. It's telling us what we need to do. We just have to listen. The avatar of hope and loyalty is correct. The five must become one. The shell of the rock that supports detaches as its turtle's frame morphs into two large legs. This planet and the five of you are truly something special. The legs and wings of the Winds of Change collapse inwards as its head lowers into its torso. The equine head forms a breastplate as it attaches to the recently formed legs. Nowhere else in the known universe is there a stronger connection to the Source. The claws that ran life attaches to the left shoulder of the torso. Its head swivels, becoming a ferocious pauldron, while the tail segments and transforms into a hand. 
That is why we called out to Panvahan through their unique connection to the source and brought them here. The light in the darkness attaches to the right shoulder, its powerful horns forming a spiked pauldron, while its torso elongates and the hind legs form into another hand. We have been able to hibernate and purify our connection to the source. The cry that ignites justice spreads its wings wide as it attaches to the back of the massive mech, its crimson beak opening to reveal a stoic metallic face. We have evolved into something the cosmos has never seen. The embodiment of hope and loyalty. Strength and spontaneity. Adaptation and determination. Life and ingenuity. The two hands of the combined titan reach out and take the shell of the rock that supports as a shield and the horn of the wings of change as its mighty sword. Chronos. Chronos. The guardians find themselves in a unified flight deck, each with a control panel in front of them. The mega titan stands in front of its opponent now nearly identical in size. Holding its shell shield and horn sword, the giant combined mech prepares to renew the fight. Did anybody know we can do that? Seems like something that would have been useful against the magma squid. It, it doesn't seem possible. How are these titans designed to be interlocking? Guy never mentioned it. Let's not worry about the how and why. Let's focus on putting the hurt on the Harbinger! We're finally on even ground, so let's take them down! It seems that I'm underestimating you, Guardians. You still have some. That's enough out of them. Communications have been secured. Guardians, how did you do that? There was a flash of light, and then your five titans became... whatever this is. We just assume this is a normal Guardian thing. Is this not a normal Guardian thing? No. This has never occurred before. Your power levels. They're above 9,000. That should be impossible. Impossible is my middle name. I thought it was Ulysses. <laughs> <laughs> the young hero's revelry is interrupted by a powerful blow from Harbinger's Lion Flail. The recently constructed Mega Titan stumbles back a few steps and awkwardly balances itself. Alright Guardians, let's bring the pain! Kronos clumsily moves forward and weakly swings its sword. The vision that endures sidesteps the blow and knocks back the heroes with a powerful eye beam. Knight, you have the shield! You have to block those shots or we're not gonna last much longer! Ugh. I was trying to, then the whole thing shifted to the side! Yeah, hi, that was me! Sorry. I thought rotating it would decrease the strikeable area. My sword strikes aren't gonna do anything if we're not moving towards them when I make them! Everyone, just shut up and listen. 
We're gonna die out here if we're trying to do everything on our own. Hoplite's the leader, so she's gonna call the play. Why is she the leader? I'm the one in the head! If there has to be a hierarchy, Hoplite makes the most sense to be at the top. To use athletic vernacular. She's our coach. And you're the quarterback, Paladin. She calls the plays, and you make sure the team executes. Alright, alright. What's the play, coach? Shield smash followed with a vertical sword strike. The nine-story tall mech lowers its shoulder and slams its shield into the abdomen of its opponent. As Harbinger's Titan stumbles back, Kronos connects with a strike from its sword. The battle intensifies, and the powerful blows of the two giant warriors can be heard in nearby Dragon Cove. Many flee at the sight of the titanic brawl, but many stand frozen in place, transfixed by the unimaginable events unfolding in front of them. I hate to take away from this monumental team-building moment, but I have a small logistical inquiry. If I'm controlling mobility, Knight and Hoplite control the limbs, and Paladin controls the optical sensors, what are you in charge of, Sentinel? The flow. The flow? Isn't that what they told us happened to girls in middle school sex ed? Oh, that is so wrong. Remind me to slap you after the big robot fight? The energy of our Titans flows into Cronus and balancing it all is like a mystical version of Newton's third law of motion. It's what allows me to know that we can do this. Just follow my lead. The Pink Guardian puts his ringed fist into the control panel and rotates it in a similar fashion to when he calls upon his Guardian powers. The panel glows a vivid pink as his teammates repeat the action and are met with their individual colors. Instinctively, the Quintet shout out in unison... Thunderstorm Elemental Strike! A wave of rainbow energy erupts from Kronos' sword and slams into the vision that endures. The Cycloptic Titan is knocked backwards as sparks and fire erupt from its chest. Both arms fall limply to the side as its lion flail crashes to the ground. Inside the damaged Titan, Harbinger struggles to regain control. I will not yield. I will not fall. This is not how my story ends. You're right. This isn't where your story ends. Emergency planar shift activated. What? Who are you? The victorious guardians watch in confusion as the smoking and damaged titan piloted by their nemesis stumbles backwards through an enormous portal. That was amazing! Once we got in sync, I knew that that thing didn't stand a chance. Every time I think this job can't get any cooler, it does! At this rate, I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up having a battle on the moon. Am I the only one happy it teleported away? Something that size exploding would have probably caused a lot of collateral damage. The energy output of the Elemental Strike was greater than all of our individual abilities combined. That... That doesn't seem like it should be mathematically possible. The whole truly is greater than the sum of its parts. The Titan's spirits weren't wrong. 
There's something special about each of us, and even more so when we're all working together as one. Now that we've saved the day, let's go fix the mess we made today. An uneasy energy permeates the Dragon Cove boardwalk, as citizens try to return to their normal lives after witnessing a battle between two gigantic robots. Gwen takes a deep breath and makes her way over to the Dogs of Baskerville food truck where Johnny D, still in his Victorian apparel, serves an extremely long line of patrons. Johnny, do you have a second? Unless it's a Mondo emergency, El Capitan, I'm swamped. I just want to apologize for earlier. <laughs> when you besmirched both my cuisine and my aesthetic, one I could forgive, but for both, I demand recompense. Of course, Johnny, I'll gladly eat as many hot dogs as you want. You know that I love your food. Hmm, I actually have something a little more... performative in mind. The food truck owner quickly disappears into the bowels of his vehicle. A moment later, he reappears holding a garment bag. What is the great detective without his ever-loyal assistant? Gwen takes the bag, opens it, and finds a Victorian suit, bowler hat, and fake mustache. Are you serious? You know my methods, Watson. Scarlet and Benny sit at a small card table with a simple sign that reads, Cats to Good Homes. The duo is flanked by two cat carriers, each with a sleeping cat nestled inside. Ten down, one to go. Are you sure you don't want to get rid of all the cats? I know that while I was living at the school, I didn't have any pets or anything, but now that Hal Noel helped me get this apartment, I want it to feel like a home. What's more homey than a cat to snuggle up with at night? I get wanting some company, but... Why did you have to choose the cat that seems like it's already dead? I don't think I've seen that cat move in the last 45 minutes. It's not Caddy LaBelle's fault she's so tired. She's a senior cat. She's probably over a hundred in human years. Do you know how hard it is for a senior cat to get adopted? Can I ask why we're not addressing your bizarre behavior, Mr. Benny George? You do not ever call me that. I've already had to burn most of my notebooks. What did that Carmera do to us? I think Hanuel was right. It just tapped into some part of us that we were repressing and cranked it all the way up to 11. I was a little, um, uncomfortable being alone and having you guys know about it, but I didn't want to talk to you about it. So in my crazy, backwards, tremorified brain, it made sense to adopt 12 cats so I wouldn't be alone. I guess I've been kind of feeling off about affection since the debacle that was our first kiss. I think our biggest takeaway from this is that we need to communicate more. That, and apparently you need to try out for the drama club's production of Grease. The two bosom buddies look over to see their teachers, Miss Turner and Dr. Alistair approaching them. The science teacher has the English professor by the wrist and is dragging the commercially scholar towards the last remaining cat carrier. Miss Turner, I must reiterate that... Niles, we are not at school or a school function. These are our pupils. You're the one that established the rules about when first names were appropriate. A cat adoption is hardly a school function. Very well. Paige, I must reiterate that this is a foolish endeavor. I have never wanted or needed a pet. 
other than the nights that we do our trivia games, you spend all of your time nothing but your books. Spending some time with another living being might soften you up a bit. And why do you care so much about my well-being? That's what best friends are for. Scarlet, please tell me we're not too late. I'm sorry, Miss Turner. The only cat I have left is Duchess Wildmore, and she is not the most friendly cat in the world. She clawed me when I was trying to give her a treat. That cat has serious rage issues. Rage issues, you say? I was a bit of a rapscallion in my youth, and all I needed was a firm talking to to get straightened out. The middle-aged English teacher squats down near the front of the cat carry and peers at the angry animal inside. <clears throat> Duchess Wildemore, my name is Niles Alistair. I am certain of two things in this world. One, the work of Mary Shelley will never truly be appreciated by the masses. And two, that if you attack me at this moment, I will turn you into a lamp. If you do not attack... I can guarantee you a warm house and a full belly. We have an accord? Did he just give a cat an ultimatum? I don't know if I should be angry or impressed. It's a bold move. Let's see if it works out for him. Dr. Alistair opens the cat carrier and is greeted by a long-haired cat that nuzzles his outstretched hand. Jay idly stands near the end of the line for the dogs of Baskerville while reading a book. Their reading is interrupted when a small but powerful arm wraps around them. Rotating in place, Jay finds himself in a tight hug from Desdemona. I got an A, Jay. I've never gotten an A on my own before. I mean, I usually pay someone to do my big assignments, but I didn't this time. Um, that's... that's... Great, Desdemona. I'm like the whole package now. Brains and beautiful. That appears to be true, but Desdemona, I want to point out something I think you may have overlooked. You do realize that you are hugging me in a public space. Desdemona releases Jay and steps back. She quickly looks around and notices a few people in the crowd curiously staring at her. Oh my god, I just came to give you your money not to join your weird nerd cult. Now I'm going to have to burn this outfit. You're a lifesaver, Jay. I owe you one. Anuel and his fathers sit at a large table at the family's favorite restaurant. He stares disappointedly at the three empty seats reserved for his siblings. I guess you were both right. Again. I really thought they were going to show up this year. We know, and that's why we love you. Against all odds, you still have faith in people. You can't will people to change. All you can do is change your expectations. They're just never going to change. They've never done it before, and I guess it's foolish to think that they would magically do it this year. If they're fine being this way, I have to love them enough to leave them be. Next year, the three of us will do something amazing, and I won't bother telling them. Is that the sound of the eternal optimist losing his faith? I never thought I'd see the day our little brother would give up on us. I just think he wants to cement himself as our dad's favorite. Sitting down at the table are Hanuel's older siblings. 
All three are immaculately dressed and each wears a mischievous grin on their face. Minnie! Hi, Sue! Eha! What are you all doing here? It's our dad's 30th anniversary. Why wouldn't we be here? We sent in your little RSVP cards. I never got them. Appa? Abeoji? You can't get mad at us. It's our anniversary. Yeah, you were getting so worked up about your siblings. We thought that we'd have a little fun with you. Since when is torturing your child considered fun? Since they hid my college acceptance letters and made me think I got rejected by every school on the East Coast because they didn't want me moving across the country? Or how about when they let me think fairies lived in the tree in the backyard? I left a peanut butter sandwich outside every night for six months. They actually created a fake police report and convinced me that my prom date was an escaped felon. I actually called the cops on her. You know what this means, right? It's going to be our turn to get them back. Oh, I don't like the sound of this. Tubular Teens with Titans is written and produced by Velvet Fiend Rabbit Productions. Our theme song, Thunder Sword is written and produced by Ahmad Judah and Joe Chasm, with lyrics and vocals by Keisha Wallace. If you liked what you just heard, please head over to the podcast service of your choice and leave us a rating and a review. It truly helps more people find the show. Tubular Teeth with Titans features the vocal talents of... I'm Bri Zachary, and I play the Druidic Defender, Jay Terror. My name is Chris Van, and I play the Pyre Paladin, Benny Humo. I'm Tim Loika, and I play Storm Sentinel, Hanuel Yasuo. I'm Keisha Wallace, and I play the Hydro Hoplite, Gwyn Avalon. Sup, I'm Allegra Rodriguez Shivers, and I play the Nova Knight, also known as Scarlet Watts. I'm Shane Cochran, and I voice Erailed. I'm JJ Jensen, and I play Hera. I'm Michael Waldschlager II, and I play Harbinger. I'm Noah. And I play Johnny Dakota. Kyle Gould as Reginald Thaddeus III. I'm Christine Chester, and I played CL Johnny. Good greetings, listeners. My name is Owen Spur, and I have been your narrator for this episode. Titan Spirit Voices, provided by Adam Bellatane as The Rock That Supports, Kyle Gould as The Light in the Darkness. Leslie as the claws that rend life, Sarah Joy as the cry that ignites justice, and Mark Eberhardt as the wings of creation.